Hey church, we're in a series right now called We Are Love Church, and really we're just rallying around the name change that we recently went through. So really the title of the sermon represents the fact that we are Love Church now. <laughs> exactly. Our, our mission statement is, has been, is experience and express the love of God. It's who we are. It's what we're talking about. Thanks for tuning in. See ya. Let me do this. Let me just say thank you to each one of you for being the kind of people that let your pastors and staff hear God and obey God. <laughs> and you say, well, you know, it's not that common. Let me tell you, it isn't, it isn't that way everywhere. And, and uh, we, we don't take it for granted. We appreciate the support that you guys give. And really, you know, that's how we want to, to do church. That's how we want to do life, is to hear things from heaven. And, you know, sometimes you hear things from heaven and you think, well, what difference will that make? I don't always know. But I know it's always good to obey God. And, and, and you step into what he tells you to do and, you know, I tell you, whatever. Uh, this has always been my thing. When, when I'm, I'm faced with something and I think God's talking to me, should I do that? Should I step out? Should I, should I change the name or should I go pray for that person or should I talk to that person? You know, the question I ask myself is, what will it hurt? What will it hurt? And usually, the only thing it might hurt is my pride, you know, if I'm wrong. But, but stepping out can just open up a world of blessing yeah. in your life. And so, you know, be bold to just, you know, when you hear heaven, to, to go ahead and act on those things. So, so we're talking about we are love church. We're love church. And, and um, I've got some scriptures, and I got a whole bunch of them, actually, and stories and things. But I realized after the first service that I probably only got about time to do about half my message today. So you'll have to come back next week to hear the other half. But... Um, and I'm not talking this series, I'm just talking this message. But let's start in Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll, we'll begin here. And uh, in verse 4, and it says this, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, right, right there, I like that. God is rich in mercy. There's a place in the Old Testament that says his mercies are new every day. Mercies are new every day. Here in Ephesians, it says he's rich in mercy. That tells me there's no chance of him running out. There's, you know, I don't have to be, you know, he doesn't have to be stingy, and I don't have to think, oh, am I asking too much because he's rich in mercy. And, and not only that, if you spent all the mercy he had, even it's new the next day. You know, uh, God, God just keeps, keeps on coming with his mercy in your life. It says, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved and raised us up. It goes on in verse 6, it says, and he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. So, you know, again, it says that he's rich in this love towards us. As you read on, it says, you know, that even when we were dead in trespasses. So another way I might say that is that even when we were going the wrong way in life. Have you ever gone the wrong way in life? If you're a guy, have you ever been going the wrong way and been afraid to ask for directions? No, anyway. No, but if you've been going the wrong way, even if, you, if you've been a stinker, it says that he's still rich in love towards you. 
here's the thing, is God is more interested in filling you up than cleaning you up. He's more interested in you being full of his love and knowledge that, that you are somebody in his eyes than, than you doing everything right. You know, I, I know that we've, we've always been a church that, that, you know, we don't preach a lot on do's and don'ts. I got quiet all of a sudden. Some places you start talking about do's and don'ts and it gets quiet. I'm telling you, we don't talk a lot about it. It isn't that we don't believe there's right and wrong. That isn't it at all. But I just know from experience in my life, and maybe you could say the same, that where I've made drastic changes hasn't been because the, the thumb screws have been put on me and it's like, change, change, no. It's been because I've become aware of how much God loves me and it, wants, it makes me want to change. It makes me step into a new realm of change. It makes me step into this power. And, and while I'm on it, when we talk about love, when we talk about the love of God, it's no small thing. And sometimes you might say, well, we're going to talk about the love of God, and, and maybe you've been a Christian for, you know, 20 years or something, and you're sitting there and you think, well, you know, I don't know if I need to hear that, or the love of God. Let me tell you something. This is foundational. Sometimes people wonder why maybe their prayers haven't been answered. You guys probably never had that happen, but, but you know, your prayers get answered. But maybe there's been a stumbling block in your path, and you're wondering, why isn't this happening? Can I present this to you? One of the biggest reasons is, is people don't have a comprehension about the love of God. Uh, you know, one of the classic books on healing that, that I've read, you know, quite a few times, I've wore out a few copies, is a book by a guy named Bosworth, and it's called Christ the Healer. And, and uh, you know, it's a tremendous book. It's a collection of sermons that this man preached back in the 40s and 50s and had tremendous results with, with uh, people being healed and even people reading the book. I know in the back of it, it says that they've had, you know, thousands of people that have been healed just reading the book and written in testimonies. Okay, so I mean, it's a good book and a good, good uh, documentation of God and what he does. Right in the middle of that book, well, actually in chapter four, it's probably at the beginning more, is a whole chapter talking about the love of God. The love of God. What's that got to do with healing? Everything. Everything. I'm telling you, man, if you're trying to go through the ritual, you know, because anything in life can become this ritual. You know, oh, I've got I've to confess the word a thousand times today. Don't get me wrong. I believe it's great to say what God says about my life and declare that. But if it's become some kind of a formula, you've lost the power. It's quiet in this love church. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's an easy thing. Get back on track. Know this, that whether you've done it right or you've done it wrong, God loves you. And you're way down the road if you can grab hold of that to getting what it is you need from him. You see, God's not this God that's trying to keep things from you. He's trying to get things to you that you need. He's not dangling the carrot out in front of the cart, you know, in front of the donkey. Wait a minute. Am I saying you're a donkey here? <laughs> just just don't, don't think that. But, you know, he's not dangling the carrot out in front of you just, just out of safe, you know, out of reach. 
that you're never going to get it. No, he's doing everything he can to, to shorten that rod and get the, get the carrot to you, to get the things you need in your life. And one of the things that's made that rod so long and kept it out of our reach is this idea maybe that we're not loved by him. And Paul, over and over again in his letters, is telling the church and telling you and I this, guys, let your, let your roots go down deep in the very reality that God loves you. He cares about you. He's wild about you. You might think, oh, I don't know. You know, you know, are humans all like this? Do we compare ourselves with each other? And the, the funny thing is about it is that we're all different. And we all have different things that we shine in, you know? And, and, and even if you're the last person picked on the sports team, that doesn't mean you don't have worth. I, I, I've been, I, you know, I'm so pleased that in the last few years I've been, been reconnecting with some of my old childhood friends, people I grew up with. And I had lunch last year with a couple of my, my, my close friends that have, you know, we grew up in the same neighborhood and, and, and went to school together. And we went out and had lunch together. And, and, of course, Dana texts me halfway through lunch and says, now, Paul, be sure you get a picture of you and the guys, you know, and it's so un-north side, <laughs> and, and, and it's, you know, because I'm from the north side of Minneapolis, you know, and I tell the guys, oh, you know, Dana just texts me, she wants us to get a picture, and it's only out of their respect for Dana that they allowed me to take a picture. <laughs> I'm sure of it. And, and, and uh, so anyway, I get this picture of me and these two friends of mine, you know, and, and, and I am just like so dwarfed by, by their stature. They're just huge guys, you know? There's, I'm like this little guy. And, and, <laughs> and you know, it's good to have friends like that growing up, I'm telling you. But, but you know... Even if I didn't measure up to their stature, God, he loves me. He cares about me. He doesn't look at me like I'm the little guy in that picture. He looks at me like, man, that's, that's one I love. He looks at them and says, says, no, you're too big. No, he doesn't say that. He says, man, you guys, I love you. I love you. And, and you see, that, that is like solid ground. That's the place that you stand and the prayers get answered. That's the place you stand and those mountains in your path get removed. You know that God loves you. All right, Ephesians chapter 3. I mean, this is such... I love staying here on this stuff. Is that like too much love? Too much love? I love staying on the topic of love. I don't know. But anyway... Um, it's so healthy. It's so freeing. It's so good. You know, I, I said this in the first service that, that, you know, if you'd asked me, you know, when we began this church back in 2000, what the theme of our church would be, I might have told you back then, you know, we'd base it on who we are in Christ, because I, I am an in-Christer kind of guy, if, if you know what that is. I like to, to just delve into what God has made me as a Christian because of Jesus, you know? I might have put it that way. That might have been the phraseology I'd have. But I have to say that looking back in the last, you know, decade plus, 
who are we, 17 plus right now. Um, I have to say that there's been a thread woven through this ministry, and it is an awareness of the love of God. I mean, I mean, really, that's, that's about as in Christy as you can get. But I might not have put it that way back when we started. But I look back at it now and I see, wow, God, you know, that's just something he does here is shows people how much he loves them. And it isn't something because we don't preach on this every week, you know, just like we didn't preach on liberty every week, you know. But it's a fruit of what God himself is doing in our midst. You know, it's not uncommon, not uncommon for people to just come to, to church here at Love Church and just be sitting there even in the worship and just find themselves crying. And that's not a bad thing. Even if you're macho or something, if you're a Wisconsin dude, even I'm telling you what, it's all right. It's just your heavenly father saying, hey, I love you. And he's doing things in your heart, in your life right there that are good. You're going to see fruit from it. Ephesians 3. Verse 14, you know, what I'm going to read to you is, is a, um, it's a prayer. And, uh, you know, I say that, and I, I hear myself say that, and I think, oh, that sounds so religious. It's a prayer that you can pray. No, I tell you, it's just something recorded in, in one of the letters that Paul wrote, and he's telling these people things that he was impressed in his heart to pray for them. And it's, it's, it's so valid even today. You know, for the church today, I tell you, it's full of power, but I love the insight you get in reading this. He says this, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heven and earth is named. He prays that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in your inner man. I mean, that's a lot of words to say this, that, that, that Paul's praying that we'd recognize strength that's not our own. That as we're going through life, that we're not ordinary people. In one place in Corinthians, he said, we're not mere men. Sounds like a C.S. Lewis uh, novel or something. But anyway, he says, you're not just ordinary people, you're extraordinary. You're people that have God living in you. And you're people that, that, that are loved by their creator. Wow, how great is this? And he's praying, he says this, he says, I'm praying that you're going to recognize a strength in the very core of who you are that rises up and supersedes anything that happens out here. That's what Paul said. That's what he was praying, basically. And he goes on and he says this, I pray that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, that you'd be rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. That's what he prayed. He prayed that for the church there. You know, and the prayers he prayed for the church then need to be prayed for the church here today. That we'd be rooted and grounded in love. He didn't even say you'd be rooted and grounded in faith. Not knocking faith. We need faith. We operate by faith. But I'm telling you what, faith works by love. If you didn't know that, that is a scripture. Paul said that. He said faith works by love. How's faith work? Well, I'll tell you right now. You begin to get a glimpse of how much God loves you. It inspires faith. You begin to feel like Paul. He says, man, it doesn't matter who's out there against me. Man, God's for me. It doesn't matter. Whoever's against me, God's for me. God loves me. 
What a ground to stand on. What a place to view life from, knowing that God loves you. This is how God can work in and through your life, is coming to this revelation, this reality, that you're actually loved and accepted by Him. He says that you'd be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. All right, this love that God has for, for you, he says it'll blow your mind. It'll, it'll, it'll beyond, it's beyond anything that you could muster up in your thinking cap. You see, the kind of love we're talking about is the kind of love that you can't earn. Just like Gary talked about today, you know, this covenant stuff, you know, you know it's, it's, it's God was reaching out to us. It wasn't like we were benefiting him or we were doing everything right. You see, it's not based on our merit. It's just based on the fact that he, he's wild about us. He loves us. He's desired us from the beginning. And it, it, it's a joy to him when we begin to recognize his love for us. Let me read the Message Bible to you, verse 17. It's just a good, good version. It says, I ask that you, that, uh, let me try to read it myself. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. So with both feet planted firmly in Christ's love, we'd be able to open our eyes and we'd be able to see the extravagance. Mary likes that word, I know it extravagance of what God has for you. Wow. You see, it just, it's enabling us. It's enabling us to see and be who God would have us to be. All right. Revelation 2 in verse, verse 4. I'm going to read this to you, and then I got a story to share and what will be done for today. All right, in Revelation chapter 2, these are Jesus' words. If you know anything about the book of Revelation, the first couple chapters here are, are speaking to the church. And from then on, it's a, it's a revelation that the Apostle John had concerning uh, end times and, and future times. And, and, um, but the first part of the, the first couple chapters here are, are written to the church. And Jesus spoke to the different churches that were around in that day. And, and really, he, he, he'd always tell them something they did good, but he'd tell them some places they could improve, okay? He's a true friend, truly loves us. He starts off, now get this, he says, nevertheless, I have this against you. <laughs> I mean, this is just so appropriate for a message on love. He says, nevertheless, I've got something against you, buddy. <laughs> but, but you know, he, he, you know, when he delivers a message to you, you know, I tell you, don't ever be, be all shaken and everything because God's word, even when he corrects you, man, it comes into your heart like pure love. It lifts you to a higher place. It doesn't put you down and make you feel ashamed. If it's making you feel ashamed, it isn't from God, okay? The devil comes and condemns, you know, God, Jesus comes on the scene and he lifts you up. You know, you can, you can differentiate those voices. So he goes on, he goes this, he says, you guys, you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, where you've fallen and repent and do the first works, or else I'll come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And repent means to just change the way you're thinking. 
So really, you know, when I read this, and I've heard, heard it taught a different way, you know, I've heard him say, well, you know, come back to your first love. Love God. Love God like you did when you first got saved. But my experience, you know, and I can only tell you my experience. I can't tell you yours. But my experience when I first got born again wasn't that, that wow, I'm madly in love with God. Now, did I love God? Yeah, I did. But that wasn't what was just, just standing out in my mind, in my, my consciousness. What hit me like a ton of bricks is this, that God loved me. In fact, the very first night I was saved, I, 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 I went to this meeting. I, I, a gentleman brought me to this meeting. I, I, I went forward and prayed with the evangelist, got born again. Didn't know exactly what had happened. I, I kind of knew some church things, but boy, I didn't know nothing Bible-wise. I mean, I, I, I owned a Bible, you know. Did I ever read it? A couple times. Didn't read the whole thing for sure. Read a few. Uh, actually, I remember reading Ezekiel's vision. That was pretty wild. I'd, I'd suggest that you don't start with Ezekiel. Read something about Jesus over in John there. That would be a good place. But, but I remember running into some, some close friends of mine at the 7-Eleven. And, and I was actually there buying cigarettes, okay? And, and, and I, I, I came out and jumped in their car. Because that's what we used to do in the 70s, ride around in each other's cars, sing songs, stuff, you know, whatever. <laughs> sing with the radio or the tape player. But anyway, we jumped, I jumped in the car. And I mean, they're all, they're all smoking dope and everything. And I didn't do it. And that was pretty alarming to them. What's, what's, are you okay? Are you feeling good? Or what's up with you? And I didn't know the Christianese back then. I wasn't skilled in Christianese in that day. I didn't know how to talk it. So I just told them what was, was real to me. And I looked at them, and I remember saying this. I said, said, I don't know what to tell you about what happened tonight, but I know God loves me. They probably thought, boy, he was in the car before we were. Man, I don't know. <laughs> I said, God loves me. And then, then I had an added revelation. I said, I know when I die, I'm going to heaven. You know, that was my whole theology of the day. I said, God loves me, and I know I'm going to heaven when I die. You know, that'd take you, th that'd take you through life. That's all you ever knew. That would take you through life. But I think Jesus was talking to these people and saying, guys, go back to your first love. Don't get so caught up in the doing that you forgot what it was in the beginning, man, that even it enabled you to do. The fact that you're loved by God. You're loved by him. All right, quickly, I'm going to tell you about two men in the Bible who both I respect greatly. So anything I say, um, I'm not downing one or the other. I'm just telling you what the Bible shows us here, okay, and a strength that you can embrace. Two men I want to talk about for just a moment are Peter and John, okay? We'd agree, both of them, man, they walked with Jesus, you know, the three and a half years of ministry Jesus did on the earth. These guys were part of the inner circle. They weren't just, just part of the 12 disciples. These guys are, these were the big three. Anytime you read about closed-door meetings, it was Peter, James, and John, you know. They were in on every conversation. They saw all the miracles. They were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Not everybody was, but Peter, James, and John were. But Peter and John, you know, had... had Two different viewpoints that you can see here in the word. And, and let me start by just reading this, this verse out of 1 John. 1 John 4.10. I'm just going to go there. And John wrote this, obviously. It says, In this is love. 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Now, don't leave here today and say, I am down at love church preaching some revelation that we don't need to love God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying let's not get the cart before the horse. I've got a lot of cart and horse analogies today. <laughs> the carrot's out here. There's the horse. There's the cart. But, 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 but here's the thing is, <laughs> is, is, you know, you can't, you know, our, our, our mission statement, who we are here is, is summed up in these words, you know, that we would experience and express the love of God. You can't get that backwards, okay? You can't go give out what you haven't received yourself. You've got to first experience it, then you can give it. Experience the love of God. The natural thing to do at, at that point is to give it out, okay? You want to go tell others. You want to go let others know that they're loved. You want to go love other people. So John here, he, he says it like this. He says, you know, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Grasp that on, on, in your heart, in your innermost being. So you want to throw up that big grouping of scriptures? In John's, you know, this is just in John's gospel. He also wrote three letters and, and the book of Revelation. But uh, in, in his gospels, when I was in Bible school, they, they told us this, that it, there's two words that if you took it out of John, the book would collapse. The, word, the two words that they told us then were the words life, talking about the life of God, and the word love, talking about the love of God. He said, they said that's what basically John is made up of, is life and love. And John is known as, as the, the apostle of love, okay? So here's the thing. It's a little goofy, but John writing this this letter, this, the gospel, telling these stories, he talks about himself in the third person, okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not promoting that you go around and do that, okay? I'm not saying to do that. What I am saying is let's learn the, 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 the perspective that John had of himself, okay? And so the way John would refer to himself when he would write is he'd call himself the disciple that Jesus loved. And what we have here is just a few of the places that I pulled out, you know, talking about the disciple whom Jesus loved time and time again. I would imagine it was irritating to the other disciples, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, guys, I'm the, the one who Jesus loved. The truth of it is, is this, is that Jesus loved every one of them. Okay, the love for John was no different than the love for Peter or James or, or Andrew or any of them. Uh, but the thing is, is what they saw differed. What they, that what they, you know, had revealed to them, what they grasped and laid hold on was different. And, you know, you can only lay hold on what, what is revealed to you. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Even if it's yours, even if it's yours, you got to know about it and take it and lay hold of it. So John had laid hold on this fact that, that he was a favorite. He laid hold on the fact that, that Jesus loved him. It was overwhelming. Even whenever he thought about can you imagine that? When he would think about himself and relay in a story, he thought, oh yeah, 
I'm the one who Jesus loves. What a mentality. What a place of faith. What a foundation to stand on, to live on, to face whatever challenges come your way. Now, Peter, again, Peter is one of my favorites. You know, the more I live, I want to meet Peter. <laughs> you know, I want to talk to that guy, you know. When I get to heaven, just have him. I think it'd be the, some of the most colorful stories of any of them is to hear Peter relay what happened in Jesus' ministry. And, and uh, I mean, he was, he was very real. But the story I would go to is in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, and, and Jesus is in his last hours. And, and Peter stands up and he makes this declaration. He says, says if, even if everyone turns from you, Jesus, not me, I love you. I'm with you. What I'm telling you this morning is there's a difference between knowing God loves you and telling God you love him. Knowing God loves you is solid ground to stand on. Just telling God you love him, that's cool. But tell him you love him based on this foundation that he loves you first. So time goes on, and I'll just cut to the chase. Here's the deal. Jesus goes to the cross. He dies for humanity. And, uh, no, nah, I won't go there. Anyway, um, he dies for humanity. The only disciple, follower of the, tw the 12 followers, the disciples that were with Jesus in his earthly ministry, the only one recorded that's there at Jesus' death was John. Peter, you know, when Jesus was being questioned, was in the outer room, he denied Jesus three times. Of course, Jesus came and restored him, okay? Know that. He didn't leave him hanging. But Peter denied Jesus three times and felt terrible, went off and probably was in a depression because just saying you'd love Jesus is not the strength, it's not the foundation that's going to get you through in life. But John, knowing that Jesus loved him, that he's the disciple that Jesus loved, enabled him to be there in that terrible moment when Jesus died on the cross. Jesus from the cross only said a few things, but one of them was he looked out at his mother and said, hey, behold your son. And he looked at John and said, hey, behold your mother. In other words, he was telling John, listen, take care of her, will you? He entrusted his mom to John. So John does that, not based on his merit. He didn't conquer, he didn't, he didn't show up because he was somebody in his own self. But I'm telling you this, he conquered in life because he knew God loved him. You can go anywhere knowing God loves you. What are we talking about today? We're talking about the love of God. What specifically is you? You are loved by him. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You just have to hang around me a little bit and you realize I'm not perfect. I say things wrong sometimes. I forget things. We were doing our, our rally before the first service this morning and talking about, you know, believing God for unction and everything. I said, well, I remember a time a couple years ago where they were in the middle of a song and they paused for a few extra moments. I walked right up there like it was the end of the song service. Started going. They just flowed with me. And, uh, yeah, it was wonderful. We pulled her back. <laughs> they watch me a little closer now, but, but it's all right. 
it's all right. God loves you. It's not about being perfect. It's not about being this super Christian. Jesus made you super. Living out what he did in you, man, I tell you, that's where it's at. Hey, church family, Gary here. We want to talk about some of the ways that you can give. One of the ways you can give is with the envelopes, which are on the back of most of the chairs. Just grab an envelope, clearly print all the information on the back, and then drop it into the white boxes, which are located near the doors in the sanctuary. Another way to give is with text messaging. So send a text message to 77977 saying, love giving, and then wait a second for the response, click the link, set the amount you wanna give, whether it's a reoccurring gift, and then hit give. Another way to give is on the website. Go to www.wearelovechurch.com. Up at the top, you're gonna to see a word saying give. Click that. You'll see a button that says click here to give. So go ahead and click it, and then it's going to take you to a page asking you the amount, whether it's a one-time gift or a reoccurring gift. Go ahead and hit next, and then confirm. Another way you can give is with the Love Church app. You can download it from the iOS store or the Google Play store. Once it's installed, just open it up. You'll see a button that says give. Tap that. Select the amount, whether it's a one-time gift or a reoccurring, and then hit give.